It's good to sing, isn't it? Good to be able to praise God uh, together as well as be here uh, together. We've been looking at the book of James as a church, thinking about this thing that we've called no restrictions to putting our faith into practice. James was a prominent leader in one of the first church communities ever to exist in Jerusalem. As a leader in this church, he gained great wisdom in what a believer's life should look like as a follower of Jesus. The book of James has been called by many as being the Proverbs of the New Testament because of its insights and because of the true wisdom therein in terms of what it means to be a believer what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Some have said that it reflects large portions of Jesus' own Sermon of the Mount. As we've discovered, James is one of those people who kind of like punches you in the gut, really, uh, spiritually and very black and white. Some of us may well uh, be more comfortable than others with that, but at least you know where you stand. There's no kind of like waffling or pussyfooting around uh, with James. And there are times where we need that sense of directness. It's not always easy to wrestle with some of what he said and so that would be true in our passage uh, today but beyond all the difficult and tough stuff we need to recognize that James wants God's people to be at peace at peace with ourselves at peace one with another and firstly obviously that comes from our own knowing that we can and do have peace with God. Without having time to read War and Peace this morning, we're going to hear what James has to say about that whole subject of things that well up and wrestle up uh, within us from chapter 4, if you've got a Bible with you. And Caroline is going to read some verses to us. James chapter 4. Thanks, Caroline. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Hi. We're going to read from James chapter 4 and we're going to begin to read at verse 1. Submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud and shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. 
Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? Thank you, Caroline. Let's pray together. Father God, your word we had read to us encourages us to come near to you and you will then come near to us. So often we want it the other way around. Come near to us so that we know that you're there, so that we will then believe and so that we will then come near to you. Regardless of who we are and where we're at in our spiritual journey, Give us that gentle encouragement to draw close as we come to your word now, that you might indeed draw near to us and enable us to hear what by your spirit you're wanting us to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. War, of course, is too often a fact of life, isn't it? Despite the many treaties uh, that we may well see agreed upon, despite world peace organisations, the uh, the work of the UN or whatever. Uh, But not only between nations is war of any relevance. Uh, But maybe on every level of life, you can think about the different uh, levels of war. It may well have been even in your own house this morning. There's been different uh, elements of war. Where's my shoes? Who's not put a new bin bag in the bin to to actually replace the old one? What do you mean I've put on weight? That light was left on all last night. Can you not turn your socks inside the inside out in the right way? Next time, why not leave not don't don't put your dirty plate by the dishwasher, put it in the dishwasher. What's the point of putting a dirty plate on top of the surface right next to you can imagine, can't you, those sorts of discussions? And of course, if we're having something like that said to ourselves, we get defensive and therein starts the war. Interesting responses in looking around this morning. Touched a few raw nerves here. You thought this was going to be all nice and sweetness and light, didn't you, this morning? Or maybe you can hear uh, yourselves, uh, or maybe you can hear comments that maybe you've been in the supermarket and there's uh, that sense of war that takes on a different uh, kind of manner, really, where you hear a parent struggling with their young uh, child. And words can quickly, uh, very often, utter, you come here, I'll kill you when you get home. <laughs> Heard that? Interesting how we find that funny. But how do you feel when you hear that? Where does that stuff come from that wells up from within? James is discussing here three types of fighting that goes on in our world, but beyond that, how we might uh, respond to it. Uh, There's a whole host of different messages, really, in James uh, chapter 4, and I've just had to go with what uh, it felt right to to draw upon uh, today. And it's fighting. Bad luck. Here we go. So verse 1 and verse 11. I want to draw those two together. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And then verse 11, he says, brothers, sisters, do not slander 
one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or, uh, or sister or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. Those words, uh, quarrels and conflicts, are military uh, terms in the original uh, Greek. But they've got slightly different connotations. The first term, uh, polemos, refers to an entire military campaign, while the second, uh, maxe, refers to an individual uh, battle. They would have understood the bigness of these terms in terms of war, in terms of fighting. Let's remember, though, that James, uh, when he was writing his words, he's writing primarily to Christians. We very often like to hear words that are uncomfortable and think, that's for that lot out there. Yet very often the words primarily are meant for God's people, for his church. And by the looks of it, that's us lot, is it? I think you're right. Okay, so what might God want to say to us? Bearing in mind Psalm 133 verse 1 speaks of the positive of brothers and sisters living together in unity. But in truth, in reality, we often don't, do we? No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll mutter that a little bit, a little bit more quietly because we're embarrassed about it when we aren't how maybe we ought to be. But there's some encouragement that we get from other people that we would put otherwise in a pedestal in scripture. Lot quarreled with Abraham. Absalom created a war with his own dad, David. The disciples of Jesus argued over who was the greatest. Church leaders, uh, iconic figures of Paul and Barnabas, had great contention and a fallout over John Mark. There was division in the church at Corinth, who boasted about their amazing spiritual gifts that they had. Believers in Galatia were biting and devouring one another. And in the church at Philippi, two women are even named and shamed over their bitching. That's the reality of God's church very often. And there's some hard-hitting words that are said in those instances. Now, most of us, I guess, here today, as I look around, uh, have been part of church or churches for a long time. You would have experienced over the years, whether it's here or elsewhere, a variety, I'm sure, of similar uh, fallouts or known of members who have left one particular church for one reason or another. Let's not pretend that doesn't occur. It does, doesn't it? It does. And parts of my week, every week, every week will have been to do with some sort of discord, either here or from outside or supporting somebody else uh, elsewhere that's in a struggle where there's conflict within uh, a church setting. There can be very good reasons to leave a church. I just want to flag that up. It's not always a bad thing uh, to leave a church. If the gospel is not preached, if God's word is not honoured, if scripture is not uh, taught in its entirety, you do well to question that uh, and maybe consider going elsewhere. Please don't get up and go. That would be really <laughs> quite hard for me to, uh, uh, to stomach, I have to say, this morning. Or if the law isn't being upheld, or if there's an unbiblical lifestyle that the church en masse seems to be uh, okay with or seeking to brush under a carpet or there's maybe no sense of vision from leadership those are some key uh, uh, reasons why maybe we ought to take stock as to whether or not uh, it's right to be in the particular church uh, that we're in but usually usually in my experience it strikes me that people leave a church either because they don't get their own way 
or they don't like what they see happening in and around them. That's very often the case. The same Holy Spirit that's quoted by new members as being the reason why they felt led to join a Christian community is seldom, if ever, quoted when the same individuals then leave that church. That's just something I'm reflecting back over 30 years of kind of church ministry, which strikes me as kind of interesting. If God leads us into a particular people group, it ought to be the same God who leads us out of it. Did it not? And if that happens from time to time, I'm okay with that. We've had some very healthy uh, conversations. And if I just cite a couple of illustrations now, I'm thinking, oh, I wish I'd thought about this beforehand. But we've had uh, people, for example, that have lived in one of the surrounding villages and have been a part of the church here. And they've appreciated what this church is all about, but they've got a burden and a passion for where they are in the locality of their village. And then it may well be that the time comes where they think, Actually, Roger, we, we really feel now where we are, there's God doing a new thing in this particular village. We think it's time for us to chuck our lot in 100% in that particular place. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I know, and I'm thinking of one couple that shall remain, name, uh, um, remain nameless because they're here. Um, but I think they're the only people that have been a part of another church before we then openly moved in from one of the other local churches. And we weren't setting up in Poundbury to nick people from other churches. But when this couple shared with me about they live just down the road in Poundbury, they've been praying for our church in Poundbury. They've been praying for God to have a witness in Poundbury. And increasingly there was that sense and awareness over five or six years that that may well be where God wanted them to then link up with. They did the right thing. They spoke with their church in town, said, look, this is what we're feeling and why. You think you can see the healthiness of those different situations, can't you? If we ever feel it's right to leave a church or to move on, can I, and I can do this in all innocence because I'm not aware of anybody that's thinking this at the moment. So I haven't got any hidden agenda. But what I would say is seek to end well. If you're here as a visitor from another church, and this may well be a situation for you or someone else uh, that you know in your particular church, encourage that uh, maintaining relationship. It makes all the difference. We're commanded, aren't we, to love God first and then to love one another. And it's so sad when that doesn't work in terms of somebody moving churches. If we do move on, let's seek to pray for God's blessing upon the church that we are moving on from. What can happen if we leave one church, you think, without seeking to resolve an issue or ending well? I'll tell you, we take that issue elsewhere. We impact another people group negatively, and we're going to really struggle with ever being at peace in ourselves. For the simple reason that God says, if you've got an issue, put it right. We could unpack that in more detail. But that's the kind of stuff I think that, that James is wanting to allude to when he's talking about these fights and quarrels, the stuff that kind of uh, can reach the surf, come to the surface that we've got from within us. It's one of the reasons, I think, why the people that maybe change churches quite a lot do so because they're never really at peace with themselves, because they've never fully resolved things that went wrong way back it could well be that you're here and there's a particular instance or example from way back 
that you know is unresolved in a particular church. Sort it out. Sort it out. It'll be for the blessing of that other church, but also the blessing of yourselves as well. When we're in conflict or uncomfortable in church life, of course, it's natural to think, isn't it, that the problem is with the other person. Or the problem, I didn't need mean to look at you then, Michelle. I've just realised I've looked at my line manager here. How insensitive was that? Or that the problem is with other people. It's never our fault, is it? James is wanting to give us a little bit of a slap and a wake-up call to say, hey, at the very least, look in the mirror first. Just in case 1% of the issue may well be in terms of what's going on within us. The problem is often, of course, that we want something or that we want something different. James doesn't say that our desires in and of themselves are necessarily even wrong. Some of what we want or would like to see may well be uh, legitimate, maybe for friendship or support or a new ministry or a new way of doing something or reevaluating uh, how we are doing church. Those can be healthy conversations that we didn't ought uh, to shy away from. But it's how we go about that that makes all the difference. And a people group who own and, and have God's spirit living within should be able to do that uh, constructively. The problem can be when those desires actually begin to war within us, especially if we don't process this well or even worse, keep those thoughts uh, within. Because what happens then is that we tend to fuel them and no one then can dare challenge us, of course. And that's safer because we're just then locked in to that mindset of, I know I'm right. If you're thinking different things through, have lots of healthy conversations, again, week by week here, where people are chewing over things in their mind about what is or isn't going on. And we all recognise this has been a very, very complex and difficult and different season. But healthy discussion is always going to be a right way forward. When we begin to put ourselves and our own desires first instead of that wider church community, people then around us can become either objects that we can use to satisfy our own desires or obstacles that get in the way. Either way, community is knocked down instead of being built up. And we ought to be focused on the latter, seeking to build up one another and build up the wider body. When we respond... In such a negative way, James tells us what is going to happen next. We're going to get angry. We get ticked off. He says that we end up fighting, quarreling, murdering and coveting. It's like we can hide our selfishness only for so long. And then the bubble's going to burst. People won't know at first what we're thinking or feeling, but eventually all that stuff is going to come out. And then others around us are left really shocked that somebody was daring to think in such a way. James addresses a variety of fighting. We're only thinking about this uh, today, so don't worry, there isn't more to come on that, but it seemed right to share it today. He he talked a little bit about church wars in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Class wars and identity and status in chapter 2. Wars of words we looked at last week in terms of our our use of the tongue. Employment wars in chapter 5. Whenever, whatever wars occur it's wrong it's wrong and we are the ones who need to seek to put it right 
if we find ourselves either with a war within or we pick up that somebody else has got that same kind of attitude. Even if we didn't start it, we should work prayerfully to finish it. It's easier said than done, isn't it? But it will be worth it because undealt with issues can fester, as I've already mentioned. We need to understand, don't we, why it is that any followers of God who believe in a God of love and believe in a faith that is characterized by love can often be at war with another person, another brother and sister in that same church or with the church that they were initially so excited to join and become a part of. When often it can be nothing more than we're just fed up with not getting our own way and we struggle with that. Or our frustrations as we see decisions taken or decisions not taken. This is not the perfect church. And for those of you who are here for the first time, I'm really sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) There's stuff that's going on all the time that isn't right because church is made up of people that are just not right. Do you know, even one of the elders, David Herring, who's here this morning, is not the perfect person. I know some of you may well be very shocked to hear that. David's not. (laughs) David and I have frank conversations regularly about how tough life is, about the stuff that goes on within. Oh, it must be so hard to please everybody all of the time. Do you know, the first time I had that, uh, that uh, sentiment shared with me here, and some of you will know I've shared this before, I'd only that week been reading the, the book of Ephesians, so they caught me on a, a good week, obviously. And in chapter 5, verse 10, there's a simple verse that simply says this, Find out what pleases the Lord. That was at the forefront of my mind. And whether it was right or appropriate or not, as soon as this phrase of it must be so hard pleasing, seeking to please everybody all the time, I said, I'm not seeking to please anybody. Because it was so imprinted on my mind from that week. Roger, find out what pleases the Lord. I've got to work out that for myself in, in my own role and in the context that God has called me. But we each have to do the same. We each have to do the same. It's not about seeking to please everybody, because if we seek to please the Lord and we get that right, we're going to be more likely to be at one with one another anyway, aren't we? Yes, we are, Roger. I agree, is the response corporately together. That's what each of us need to do as we formulate our own opinions and as we respond to situations where the opinions of others maybe differ from our own. That's not always going to be easy, especially during COVID season when we know there are polar opposites in terms of our individual viewpoints. We might not be fully right, each and every one of us, because there are other people that offer different views and opinions. Well, welcome to church. Let's deal with the fighting 
that's within ourselves. That's maybe something that we also need to address. James seems to suggest that it is the war in the heart that causes the fighting in the church and elsewhere. And we thought about that last week because James chapter 3 speaks about that with the stuff that comes out uh, off, uh, off of our, our tongue. And I know actually um, David was saying about his daughters had some fantastic conversations off the back of what they were picking up last week uh, about this. I've not got time to download what his, uh, his girls were talking about, but ask him what Bethany was sharing about that. She got it. She got it about it. It wasn't the tongue. It was the stuff coming from elsewhere that was creating the issue. And that's what James is following up in this chapter as well, building on what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Unless we deal with that war in our hearts, then we're going to never be at peace. And that's why probably some of us aren't from time to time. James says you murder, you quarrel, you fight, and not literally necessarily, but certainly in God's sight, that's how it is. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15 says. Jesus implied the same, didn't he? When he unpacked the real meaning of that commandment, now thou shalt not kill. And it doesn't mean to say you've got to go around with a knife or a gun to be a murderer. Those TV uh, you know, thing, uh, footage that we see and uh, arms waving an absolute horror about what people out there have done. How could they murder? James is saying to the church, well, you do. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's forcing us to look in the mirror. Although when people become Christians, they become new creations, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, we still struggle with our old sinful nature. This is a difficult concept for us to, uh, to understand. Paul describes that struggle in himself in almost humorous fashion in Romans chapter 7 about that tug of war, not getting the, the stuff that he's wanting to do that's the good. Why is it that I end up doing the stuff that I don't really want to do? And that stuff I don't really want to do, uh, that's what I end up doing more. And there's this tension within. Understand about that tension? Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Good to know there's an honest response. For those of you who like theology, here's a little bit of theology now for you to think about as we think of that term, our old sinful nature. For those of you who are not into this, feel free to switch off and have a a catnap and a doze for about 60 seconds, okay? I won't be offended because I know that people are are either into or not into some of this stuff. There are seven synonyms uh, for the old sinful nature as recorded in the New Testament. So starting off with the Greek word hamatia, translated as sin in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to just chunter off a lot of verses. If you've not got a pen, don't worry, because this will be recorded. You can download these online and play catch-up to check these verses out for yourself. There's a Greek word, sarx, that's translated as the flesh in Romans 8, 8. Galatians 5, 16, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, and 1 John chapter 2. The words peleos, anthropos, refer to the old sinful nature that emphasizes its origin, its root. You read about that uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3. There's another word, sarkinos, which means worldly. It's the, it's, it emphasizes the believer that is under the control still of our old sinful nature in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
the body of sin, emphasises the headquarters of our old sinful nature, that it resides in the cells of the body. Romans 6 speaks about that. The corruptible man refers to the dead works of the old sinful nature in Romans 1 and Romans 3. The perishable or corruptible seed emphasises the transmission of our old sinful nature through physical birth before even a baby has even done anything 1 peter chapter 1 verse 23 okay catnap over for those of you not into theology rain you back in are we all there give us a wave good wonderful okay round about 30 percent i'll settle for that okay so for the 30 percent basically what we see is the reality of the new testament saying there's still that old stuff within that is still going to be there that we are going to be fighting with forever it's in conflict with what god's holy spirit within is seeking to do in us with us and through us we all struggle with our sinful nature it's just that our struggles are different god views us equally but we don't tend to if we see outward kind of sins or we hear of abuse or homosexual practice or drunkenness or criminal activity we react in a particular way because they're observable sins they're more overt more obvious we feel comfortable when having a viewpoint against such things and you could add to that list those sins are maybe not our area of weakness So that's okay for us to point the finger. However, we're not as vocal or as condemning of verbal sins of gossip, maligning, lying, pride, bullying, manipulation. Those are sins that are more hidden, aren't they? And they can be just as real in the likes of you and me. They're just less overt. Obviously, they're not less or more overt to God, who knows our very hearts. That's painful to hear, but the amazing thing to hear is that despite what God sees in our hearts, he says, but I love you. I love you. And we need to own that in a very real way before battering ourselves over the head with a guilt stick. We need to remember that we all have struggles with our sinful nature, but just our sinful nature, uh, our, our struggles are different. I like the phrase that I heard where someone once said, don't look down on someone else simply because they sin differently to you. (laughs) Don't we need to be reminded of that? Before we pause where we're going to have a time of quiet prayers of confession, maybe more in line with what uh, may occur in an Anglican setting, and that's a healthy thing to do, Felt it be right for us to do that. But before we do that, there's uh, another kind of war that goes on within us that uh, James speaks of in those first few verses, where he says, you want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Oh, I'll ask God then. But when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That whole thing of prayer can be a difficult thing. 
maybe uh, we don't pray because we're so focused on carnal stuff or we don't believe that God will answer or we know that what we want isn't really God's will as it as much as it is about what we want or maybe we do pray but our motives are sometimes questionable I think about an open prayer setting that uh, I heard wasn't in this church, so I can quote this quite freely, uh, where this guy was, was so incensed at the injustice that he was seeing all around him. And of course, when we're uh, particularly wanting to agree with a person who's praying, we are men, which means, yes, I agree with that. And this guy was really going for it. And then he added on to uh, his list about the fact that somebody had nicked his bike and uh, and wanting to see justice amen amen and i pray god that you would get him and you would this and you would that and of course with people getting carried away amen 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 you think getting a little bit carried away his own sense of prayers that started off okay were then quickly taken up with what had occurred to him and he was far from innocent maybe in the way it was that he was expression often we can use prayer as, an obta- as, as, a, as a means of obtaining our will more than God's. We think if we pray about it, it adds some kind of added di- dynamic that that's going to therefore mean that it's okay. In this attitude, the worst thing that God could do probably for us is to answer our self-centered prayer. There's a tension there, isn't it? Every fight or angry disagreement has people who are first at war with themselves. Why? James gives the answer. There's a deeper war going on in ourselves, between ourselves and our God. That's what we're going to come to after we've paused. We're going to take a little bit of time out, a few moments stillness just where we are, not so that we feel bad, but so that we have an opportunity in our space to be honest. It's okay to be honest in that silence. To recognize as God maybe by his spirit draws something to mind. There's something here that I need to confess before you, God. Nobody's got to put a hand up. Nobody's got to say anything out out loud. We live for an audience of one. And it's the audience of one that we're going to have an opportunity to communicate with. In that attitude of silence. It could well be something from years ago that God by his spirit has put a name or a person's face in your mind. It could well be an, uh, an ex-spouse. Uh, uh, that's something that I'm just wondering. Whatever or whoever that is, seek to maybe bring whatever thoughts or feelings you've got before God. It could well be somebody else in this church. It could well be a tension that you're as yet finding it difficult to resolve. It could well be there's something that you know isn't right between one of your children and that has gone on for years. Maybe you've tried everything that you thought you could try. Use this space to freely confess before our God whatever seems right and appropriate to you. And then Ali and the band are going to come up and lead us in a couple of songs. And then following those two songs, Marie is going to be leading us in a time of prayer, which will be via video. Let's be still and know that he is God, firstly. Good morning. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 3 says, 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, your name is holy. We praise and thank you for the gift of life you have given us. Thank you for your love and mercy. Keep our hearts pure and our minds focused on your kingdom and eternity with you in heaven. Let your will be done on earth and may truth shine in a light in our dark world of corruption and deception, confusion and immorality. Hear our prayers when we call out to you for help in the chaotic days we're living. We think of the citizens of Afghanistan this morning and the fear of an uncertain future. Please give the peacemakers wisdom to find agreement which can bring some relief to the suffering of the people there. In Haiti, we pray for food and medical relief to reach the needy people quickly after the earthquake last week. Where fires are raging, floods are wrecking homes and livelihoods, in countries where people are losing their lives to disease and famine. Lord, have mercy in these situations. At home, we pray for our government to make wise decisions to keep our country safe and ask for your love to break down misunderstanding which has divided every area of our society. Help us decipher what is true and positive so that we will not be deceived. And we thank you, Father God, for preparing a way forward for those of us who trust you. You are our glorious hope of better days to come, the same yesterday, today and forever. Finally, we commit next weekend's juniper tree break to you. We ask that you bless every family attending with friendship, understanding and rest so that they leave feeling cared for. Thank you for the team you inspired to organise every detail so that the families can relax and be still and know that you are God. Amen. It was great to uh, to look up during that time of, of confession and see that uh, Andrea put on uh, the symbol of the cross, a silhouette of the cross. Because when it comes to a time of confession, there's no better place to go to, is there, than the cross, to remember that which Jesus has done for us, to take away all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing, all of our guilt... So I hope that in you bringing whatever you may well have brought to mind, something to then leave at the foot of the cross, that you've done so in absolute faith and with a beaming smile on your face, that it is done, it is finished. Allow God to take that which has already been taken, but own the reality of that and leave it there at that cross. As Marie's been uh, been praying, I had a couple of other uh, things that were passed my way this morning. Uh, Robin uh, is in not a great way in terms of his stomach and some sickness, so please uh, uh, remember to pray for Robin uh, at water. Uh, some of us would have received a text through this morning as well about the family of a 20-year-old uh, called Lawrence who died from a bleed on the brain. If you can remember that family of that 20-year-old without knowing any further details and they're not uh, known to ourselves, then that would be good to join uh, forces positively to pray for that family. 
in their tragedy. We thought about the uh, the bewaring of being, being aware of fighting with one another and dealing with fighting within ourselves. Just want to end briefly about that dealing with our fighting with God, but uh, this isn't anything heavy. This is something that's really constructive and positive. Uh, in some ways, those uh, we, we thought about those at war with others are also the sense of warring with within ourselves, isn't it? James mentions three uh, enemies. We've already looked at the enemy of the flesh. We've thought about that, our carnal nature. But he also cites the world, all of those systems uh, that are against God. But then he also cites about the reality of the devil. These three enemies also appear in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. You can look at that. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're going to be coming back to these central verses that we've not had an opportunity to think about uh, next uh, week. But the antidote is fourfold. James says that we should submit to God in verse 7. That we should resist the devil, same verse. That we should draw near to God in verse 8. And then fourthly, that we should humble ourselves before God. He's the one that then will lift us up. Those are positive pathways to freedom and to forgiveness and to our being liberated and set free to live as God intended. So for those of us who like things in bite-sized chunks, and that would be me, and in simple steps, which is also uh, me, you know you get the idiot's guide too. I very often need an idiot's guide to the idiot's guide to help me understand some things a little bit easier. But we've got that here in terms of what James unpacks. And I just want us to end that because this is for everybody. Firstly, submitting to God. An acknowledgement that my way has just not worked, and it never will. I need to admit my own wrongdoing, submitting to God. Secondly, to resist the devil. We're not talking about somebody with a pitchfork and dressed up in red uh, with a pointed tail. No, far from it. But it's avoiding what our spiritual enemy might want to seek to put in our minds, also attempting, uh, resisting to uh, his attempts to lead us astray from God. Thirdly, come near to God. We prayed about that at the start. I hope you took that invitation that is there from God himself. Come near to God as we are in simple faith and trust. We used uh, that line just as, as a throwaway invitation from something that was in God's Word a few weeks ago. Uh, and God has spoken to that individual subsequently over those simple words. Just come as you are. And they're going to be joining the church next week. Isn't that great? Just a simple line, but that's all it takes to hear, own, and act. He will come near to you in his response to our taking that step of faith. That's all I want to say. I thought it'd be good to end with some positives. There's been some heavy things this morning, but these are healthy positives by way of our responding. There's always good news, 
when we come to God's word. However difficult the journey might be, it's difficult because we know that the struggles are very real. It's just that we often like to sweep it under the carpet or pretend that because we were on church on a Sunday, we don't have the same issues as people out there. I'm telling you we do. I'm telling you we do because I know this people here in front of me. But I also know that James knows. That's why he's being as honest as he has been. But he draws his thoughts to conclusion with the positives that there always is with God. So that's why we're going to do that. We're going to sing a couple more songs uh, together. And then following that, have community kids uh, slot for us. And then we've got a special treat to finish as well, which is particularly for two individuals. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) One of those who's here today, one of them will be watching right now. Thank you so much. Thank you again, particularly to Rupert and Francis. It's wonderful. Isn't it brilliant? It puts a smile on your face as soon as you see Francis and Rupert out there. Thank you so much, though, for sharing God's word with us. We do appreciate that. I mentioned that we were going to end uh, with something a little bit special. Earlier uh, in our time together, we had our celebrations where we included some birthdays. A couple of people would hope to have a birthday celebration here over the summer. But of course, as a result of the pandemic, that wasn't popular. So we've got somebody that was special over in that far corner and somebody who's special who's actually watching there. This is particularly for them, but for all of us to enjoy, this is our ministry of puppets. And following this then david is going to close our time together enjoy well carol and julie i hope you enjoyed that who needs the beach boys when you've got dorchester community church ministry of puppets and thank you of course as well to francis and rupert humble henry or proud peter we always want to be a proud peter don't we But, you know, James tells us, actually, we should be focusing on being a humble Henry. You know, my wife and I, we love watching um, the Poirot, the Agatha Christie um, Poirot um, uh, detective dramas on television. And there's one where Poirot is introduced to the idea of humility and being humble. And if any of you have watched um, Poirot, you'll know that the one thing Poirot is not is humble. And at the end of the programme, he says, I shall become an expert in humility. I shall become the world's best person at humility. <laughs> humble Henry or proud Peter. James has a lot to say about this, doesn't he? And it doesn't make easy listening or hearing. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will Lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And God this morning offers you that invitation once again to come before him. Humble yourselves. As Paul would say, make yourself, make ourselves less and less and make God more 
and more and find that he will be faithful to his promise to lift us up. If anything that uh, Roger has been talking about has struck a chord with you or maybe challenged you in some way or reminded you of some situation in your life that you would like praying for, we would love to talk to you about that. We would love to pray with you. If you're watching online, why not get in touch with us via the website? We would love to hear from you. We would love to pray through your situation with you. But right now, we're going to wind up by closing our service in prayer. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words from the book of James, written 2,000 years ago. And yet they speak into our lives with such directness and such clarity. We recognize as we read the book of James and we hear some of the hard lessons that are in it that people don't change. But we also recognize that God doesn't change. We recognize that you are the same God, the same yesterday and today and forever. And just as you were willing to accept people as they were 2,000 years ago, you are still willing to accept us as we are We remember that James says your word is like a mirror. Heavenly Father, help us not to be people who look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what we look like. Help us to look into the mirror of your word and not just be hearers, but be doers. So change us by what we've heard this morning so that those around us will look on our lives and say, there's something different about that person. There's something about their humility that's different from the pride of the rest of the world. Help us to become more like Jesus in our everyday dealings with people we meet day by day. Help us not to be uh, proud Peters, but humble Henrys, reflecting your love and your compassion and your mercy as we go out and meet people every day and in every way. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for someone that is caught in the middle of conflict. I pray for that one who has sought above all else to be a peacemaker in the situation they find themselves in. And they are so desperate and they feel that there's nothing they can do or say which will ever be right. Heavenly Father, would you give that person such wisdom and love and compassion that they make a real difference in the conflict that they find themselves in. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.